Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 7 from the World English Bible. The high priest said, Are these things so? He said, Brothers and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your land and away from your relatives, and come into a land which I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. From there, when his father was dead, God moved him into this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. He promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his offspring after him, when he still had no child. God spoke in this way that his offspring would live as aliens in a strange land and that they would be enslaved and mistreated for four hundred years. I will judge the nation to which they will be in bondage, said God, and after that they will come out and serve me in this place. He gave him the covenant of circumcision. So Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. The patriarchs, moved with jealousy against Joseph, sold him into Egypt. God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan and great affliction. Our fathers found no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers the first time. On the second time, Joseph was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's race was revealed to Pharaoh. Joseph sent and summoned Jacob his father and all his relatives, seventy-five souls. Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, himself and our fathers. And they were brought back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a price in silver from the children of Hamor of Shechem. But as the time of the promise came close, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt until there arose a different king who didn't know Joseph. The same took advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers and forced them to throw out their babies so that they wouldn't stay alive. At that time, Moses was born and was exceedingly handsome. He was nourished three months in his father's house. When he was thrown out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and reared him as her own son. Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in his words and works. But when he was forty years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. Seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him who was oppressed, striking the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers understood that God, by his hand, was giving them deliverance 
what they didn't understand. The day following, he appeared to them as they fought, and urged them to be at peace again, saying, Sirs, you are brothers, why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Moses fled at this saying, and became a stranger in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. When forty years were fulfilled, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. As he came close to see, a voice of the Lord came to him, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses trembled and dared not look. The Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people that is in Egypt, and have heard their groaning. I have come down to deliver them. Now come, I will send you into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? God has sent him as both a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, having worked wonders and signs in Egypt, in the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for forty years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord our God will raise up a prophet for you from among your brothers, like me. This is he who was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel that spoke to him on Mount Sinai, and with our fathers, who received living revelations to give to us, to whom our fathers wouldn't be obedient, but rejected him, and turned back in their hearts to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods that will go before us. For as for this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. They made a calf in those days and brought a sacrifice to the idol and rejoiced in the works of their hands. But God turned and gave them up to serve the army of the sky, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer to me slain animals and sacrifices forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tabernacle of Moloch, the star of your god Raphan, the figures which you made to worship. I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness, even as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which also our fathers, in their turn, brought in with Joshua when they entered into the possession of the nations whom God drove out before the face of our fathers, to the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a habitation for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth a footstool for my feet. What kind of house will you build me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Didn't my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so you do. Which of the prophets didn't your fathers persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, of whom you have now become 
betrayers, and murderers. You received the law as it was ordained by angels and didn't keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, then rushed at him with one accord. They threw him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he called out, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. That is the end of chapter 7. Recall that Acts chapter 6 ended with Stephen being seized and falsely charged. This is as Jesus described in Luke 21 verses 12 through 15 where they would be persecuted. And then he says, don't worry about what you're going to say at all for... I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Now, obviously, them not being able to resist what Stephen says doesn't mean that he's not going to be persecuted because that's actually what this is all about. So here in chapter 7, Stephen is answering the question that has been directed to him where the high priest says, did he, did Stephen blaspheme and speak against Moses? Now, just to review, because blaspheme is a religious word, Vine's Expository Dictionary defines it as defamatory speech or evil speaking, railing, usually implied to be against God. We know biblically that it was also a claim against Jesus when he said he forgave sins. In short, what Stephen's response does is show that they, his accusers, are actually the blasphemers. They are the ones who misrepresent God and kill those who bring his word. And Stephen does this by beginning with Abraham, where the whole promise to the children of Israel began, the promise that they are claiming self-righteously, but he shows that they're actually denying its truth. So I see his response in three sections. The first two are more foundational. The first section is about Abraham, and it shows, one, that Abraham did listen to God. He obeyed. Two, that Abraham had to wait for the promise, both of an heir and the land. He was shown the land and even lived there some, but it was not to be his during his lifetime. And it's a little confusing because yet in a legal sense, God was passing it on as an inheritance to Abraham's offspring. So in a way it was his in the future, but not in his lifetime. And in Genesis 15, 6, you can read about Abraham's response in faith. Also in this section, we have verse 6, in which the whole time period is covered where Abraham's offspring will be living as aliens and enslaved. All of that covers 400 years. This is not 400 years as slaves after Joseph dies. And I'm going to link to a very helpful chart that is a timeline. It shows scriptures and various ages of given people as they are given in scripture that clarify this. I'll give you a few tidbits kind of in summary to whet your appetite. 
There are the 430 years referred to, which start with the original promise of Abraham to the Exodus. That's the 430 years. And then there is the 400 years that starts with the affliction of his offspring. And if you compare that to Galatians 4.29, where it says Ishmael harassed Isaac, that is the first we hear about the offspring being afflicted, and that's where the 400 years begins. This chart will draw this all together and focus scriptural facts given to us to show some very interesting things, like Joseph is born before Isaac dies. Joseph dies before his older brother Levi, and it was only about 64 years from Joseph's death to Moses' birth. So this section shows the clear line from Abraham to Joseph. So the second section centers on Joseph, who was also afflicted, and it tells how the children of Israel ended up in Egypt as slaves. Now note that the word race here is used in a sense of kindred or you know family or ethnicity. Genesis 3:20 makes it clear that we are all of the same human race descended from Adam and Eve. And then in the third section we have Moses. This is really the climax of everything because their accusations center on their claims that Stephen is speaking contrary to Moses. Moses had a unique upbringing as Pharaoh's daughter's foster son. And I say foster son because Moses clearly know he was descended from Israel. And Moses apparently understood early on that he was set up to deliver the people, which makes him basically hiding out in the wilderness for 40 years curious. It also makes his hesitancy at the burning bush more obviously a reaction to his past disappointment at his reception. So at the burning bush, his apparent humility at that point was really self-centered rather than God-centered. You might say it was false humility because he's still um, expressing hesitancy based on his past humiliation. And then also in Exodus 4.10, him saying that he is not well-spoken is a bit disingenuous. And it makes sense with how God responds to him in verse 14 there. And then in Exodus 4.19, God very specifically addresses Moses' apparent fear that the people might still want to kill him. Yet here in Acts 7.22, we see that Moses did become, by the power of God and following in faith, mighty in works and deeds representing God. So Stephen points out that though the people of Israel had first rejected Moses, God still sent him as a ruler and a deliverer. This becomes important because Stephen will refer to Moses' prophecy about a prophet being raised up like him, and this is from Deuteronomy 18.15. So the very Moses that they purport to venerate was even quickly rejected once the people got into the wilderness, and thus God was rejected because Moses represented God to them. And they chose horrible idols instead. And this is quoting here, Stephen is quoting Amos 5, verses 25 through 27. And just a side note, the names of the idols are translated a bit differently in different translations because it's not really clear. It doesn't matter with the text. They're worshiping idols. Now, the people of Israel had the tabernacle representing the presence of God kind of as an exotic tent until King David. And then Solomon built the temple. It's so succinct. There are many details given about it in both Kings and Chronicles. 
But the catch is that God doesn't dwell in, isn't contained by a building. He made everything. And this puts their claims in proper scriptural and godly perspective. Then what happens at this point is rather stunning. Stephen accuses them, but he's not accusing them because he's mad at them or he wants them to be in trouble. He's accusing them so that they will see their wrongness, their sinning. He's not begging anything for himself. He is by the Holy Spirit. See chapter 6, verse 10 and verse 15. He is proclaiming a very necessary truth, a truth that these leaders would try to sweep under the rug to maintain a distortion of the system, which originally in its pure inception clearly pointed to this very gospel. And so he groups them with those of their, quote, proud, unquote, heritage who killed all the prophets sent to tell them about God's promised righteous one. But you can tell from Stephen's cry as he dies that he cares for their souls. He wants them also to have a chance to receive this gospel. He wants them forgiven. In the end, even in the trial where they had staged everything, Stephen cannot be refuted and their rage is vividly described. Now, they had two choices. They had the choice of humble repentance and faith, as happened with the men in Acts 2.38, and they also had the choice that they picked, which was of pride and rejection. See, they were also cut to the heart. Both Stephen and Peter were sharing the word of God, and it does cut to the heart. But they covered their ears. And then as a mob, they must have let go of their ears at some point, I guess, took Stephen out and stoned him. What a perversion of God's perfect law. And that's where we meet Saul, who will become Paul. He is an authority figure in all of this, not just a bystander. He's basically a gang leader for all intents and purposes. I find myself wondering how much he later thought of Stephen's words do not charge them with this sin. It is certainly a lesson in what forgiveness really means. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.